The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. You can help support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tier. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 or above level for the month of June. Ira Bell, Jem McKay, Dan Wagner, Kirsten Cardinal, Jed Winters, and Christopher Valenz. The GameCube. Was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. You know what I hate, Neil? What's that, Mike? When a podcast tells someone that they're going to have a certain episode, talk about a certain topic, and they don't do it. You know? Mm, yeah, that that can be rough. I always look forward to like at the end of a podcast when they say on next week's episode, almost like a cartoon or a TV show, and you look forward to that episode happening. And then, you know, the curse of watching syndicated shows, usually that <laughs> next episode is not what the announcer says that it's going to be in the next week anyway. So really, the whole thing is useless. But yeah, no, when podcasters do it, it really it really grinds my gears because, you know, I look forward to podcasts. I rely on them for commuting and doing housework and actual work. So yeah, when, when I rely on podcasters to tell me what they're going to do next episode, I, I demand that they do it. And you know what else grinds my gears, Neil? What's that, Mike? When people go to a fireworks, you know, whether they're buying fireworks for their court or their street or their neighbors. And, you know, you all do a, like a fireworks thing together because it sure. is Canada Day and Independence Day in, uh, in the States uh, this yep. week. Um, and there will be many fireworks. But I, I hate when you always have the one person who brings just Roman candles. Oh, yeah. Those are the worst, man. Like, yeah, they bought like those are well, those were like 10 cents a piece, I think, when we were kids. Because even if you buy 10, like you spent no more than $2 on the, on this and now you're going to get a 45-minute display with all the neighborhood kit. No, 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 no. You, you got to go back and get – the burning schoolhouses were awesome. I That's still key. love those. That yep. is key. Oh, you have to. The kids love it, man, because you get to pretend like it's your school that's on fire. Sometimes they made like a <laughs> screaming sound. Do you remember those ones? Yes, they did. Yeah. Uh, with the, I, they, they stopped making those not too long after I think we started because I remember as a little oh. kid uh, hearing – like the screams of like it's like screams of children yeah <laughs> it was it was really brutal yeah. yeah i think that that's why they had to do it because it was just too dark which is hilarious i have really fond memories of canada day growing up with you mike because uh, since we lived in the same neighborhood we would do you lived on a court so we would bundle together all the neighborhood families and everyone kind of just dumped fireworks into like a wheelbarrow and then we just lit off fireworks for it probably went for two hours yeah, and yet there was always someone who would only bring Roman candles. You get these amazing fireworks going, and then in between you got... White. Pink. Green. And then and then sometimes they would just stop for a while, and then... Oh, three in a row. Wow. Ooh. Oh. Ba now, Basket of Cherries was slightly better. It was a little faster, a little louder, only shot out red ones, and a lot more. That was yes. like the step up from Roman Candle. That was maybe a few dollars <laughs> per stick. So I'll allow those ones. That's the thing is that the, there are better fireworks for the same, like similar prices that you can get. Like it's it's not about the prices. Just just don't stop buying Roman Candles unless you want to fight each other with Roman Candles. That's a whole, I, I'll, I'll allow that. I, lo I look forward to these holidays, man, because the news the next Monday is like, oh, somebody lost a finger in a Roman Candle fight. It's amazing. <laughs> 
<laughs> every year, man, every year there's a news there's a newspaper article that's just like, oh, please remember to stop pointing them at people. It's like you're not going to stop this. It's it's going to keep going till the end of time. I'll be looking out for that for that uh, article this week. Oh yeah, well, we'll maybe we'll post it on our Twitter page or something if uh, <laughs> if we find anything like that. But uh, now that it's July, uh, the weather's getting nice, which means the golf courses are all opened up. Now I don't golf, Mike, you do, and you and I both picked up Mario Golf Super Rush. I think it's time that we did a quick review on the game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't play Mario Golf while I was golfing. Although I'm very excited to do that at some point. Just bring my Switch in the golf cart between it's shots. <laughs> it's, it'll be like a Switch ad, dude. Like, remember when the Switch first came out and they showed, like, people playing basketball on the basketball courts on their Switch? Oh, you could totally make a Switch ad out of that. I could totally. I'll do it. I'll, N- Nintendo, hire me. I will act in that ad. I will I will drive the golf cart while playing Switch. I will recklessly endanger people on that golf course. That that does sound risky, but I, I appreciate the uh, I appreciate that for a for a mid-tier uh, Switch game. I think that that's a really bold move. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I guess I can start with my my thoughts of the game. Uh, I saw there was a couple or quite a few reviews that are giving it mixed reviews, like a lot of mm-hmm. sevens out there. And I think that's a bit unfair to the game because I think most of the time you and I were talking about this Neil offline that a lot of reviewers, when they review Mario sports games are expecting, I don't know, smash ultimate or something. Yeah. And it really is not going to be that, you know, it's first of all, it's made by Camelot. It's a third party developer mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's just, it's a simple sports game. It's you're playing golf and the graphics are obviously everything's updated from the old games. Uh, it's the same idea. Uh, there's a lot of different modes now. I, I actually really like the speed golf. I think yeah. that's a really fun and different take on it. Uh, the mm-hmm. adventure mode is, you know, it's an adventure mode in a sports game. Like, what do you yeah. expect it to be? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're really just playing it to unlock things. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, But the actual gameplay itself is smooth. Uh, I love the character outfits. It's fun to <laughs> play multiplayer. It, I think as a Mario Golf game, I think this hits most of the marks. I think the three things that I would really want to see in this game would be the mini golf, as we talked about last episode. A, a better story in terms of like closer to like a golf story esque, and you know, even even incorporate that retro feel because retro mm. like '90s golf games and those early golf games are so much fun to play. Yeah, and it would be very cool to do because they've already created this with Mario Sonic at the Olympics for the. 2020 version where they have right. the 16-bit yes. uh, version of that game and that would be sweet to do in golf right that'd like, be amazing uh, if they if they had a mode where like we were talking about last week where they have the 1984 golf graphics yeah. where you're playing as mario where it doesn't quite look like the mario we know it looks like an italian guy golfing which was awesome <laughs> something like that would be so cool man i love that I, idea i think that was a bit of a missed opportunity there because mm. i think you could have easily done that uh but you know that's uh just how it goes uh and i think that's that's probably i mean i could there's lots that i would obviously love in this game sure. i would love to be able to drive the cart <laughs> like yes. actually oh drive carts on on the on the fairway but mm-hmm. uh yeah that's that's my first thoughts neil what about yours Good. Well, I went to buy the game the day that Mario Golf came out, and I went over to EB Games. You know, I finished work. We, my girlfriend and I, we did our groceries, walked over to EB Games at the plaza, and uh, they close at 6 p.m. now, which was news to me. Now, I was getting major uh, deja vu of last year when I tried to pick up The Last of Us Part Two from EB Games, and they had oh, zero God. copies. And this was in like, June of last year when The Last of Us was 
out for a few weeks. You like had a they, good rant. Uh, mate. Honestly, that could have been around the Unplayable 1 episode. That's funny. <laughs> that's you actually, had that rant. <laughs> that's crazy, man. I, every year, EB Games figures out a way to let me down in the summertime. But uh, I got to the store at like 20 after 6, and they were closed, which was great. So I didn't get the game, unfortunately, at launch. But uh, got up early this morning, and I walked over to another EB Games and was able to pick up a copy, finally. You know, nice. p- p- walked home with it, very happy, very happy indeed with my my little bag, my little EB Games bag, and popped it in. And so I didn't get to have a ton of time playing it, unfortunately. I only have maybe an hour and a half to two hours of gameplay on it, uh, mainly just playing the courses. I played around uh, with Wario to start with because I had to. I had of to course. see the I had to see the Wario outfit, dude. It was a must, <laughs> and it's worth it. The Wario outfit alone. I'm so disappointed that there wasn't an amiibo based on that. Oh my um, god, I would buy that immediately. <laughs> instantly. I, I think that if they thought they could have gotten like an ROI, like put out a few hundred thousand Wario Amiibos in that outfit, maybe, but I don't think it would have made enough money for them, no. but it would have been no. so cool. Uh, and then I jumped into the adventure mode, which you were talking about briefly, and it's mm-hmm. good. Like I, I played maybe 45 minutes of it. It is slow. Like it, I, I always thought that I wasn't very good at Mario Golf games, but the tutorials in this game make me feel like I'm a pro because like I'm sinking putts, <laughs> sinking yeah. putts from, like 60 feet away. It's like it shouldn't be this easy. But uh, <laughs> I've always wondered a thing about adventure modes and video games in general that are usually it's Nintendo. Why does it always start like you know you get a couple minutes of talking dialogue with characters and then they make you go to bed for the next day? Oh like, my is- god, I, it's so dumb. I, I don't that? get that. Yeah. Is it that like do they have to pre like render some more backgrounds or something? Like that's why you need to go to bed. I it I don't could understand. Be a, I hate it that. It could be a hidden load screen. It could be. But like I was in a house. It's so, like you're in the house on the in the uh, club land Birdo's or whatever. Club. Birdo's Club, that's the one. Thank you. But yeah, it's like, okay, you got to go to bed. The tournament's tomorrow. And I was like, why can't the tournament just be right now? Like, what? what is this? <laughs> anyway, uh, so I've played about 45 minutes of the uh, of the adventure, and so far it's fine. Like, it's not yeah. great. It is fun to actually explore the courses a bit. Like, you get to run around and see everything at different angles, and you get to see characters interacting with the world, which is new to Mario Golf. Like, you've never really seen, you've never been able to run around freely on the courses, which you can now, which is neat. I think probably my favorite part about golf now that about Mario Golf, the, the new one, is that you, when you're playing multiplayer or even when you're playing with CPUs, you can all tee off at the same time. Did you notice yeah, that? I did. It's very that, neat. That's revolutionary. It's amazing. It's what we've wanted in uh, Mario Party specifically with the dice, the <laughs> dice rolling, which is hell when you have to wait for everybody to roll a two. Yeah. And, and then get on to the next mini game. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah. one thing that one thing that they did add to this game, which I forgot to mention in last week's episode when we were looking forward to this game, was they kind of added a little bit of violence to the game where when you're running to the ball in that speed golf mode, if you're a bigger player or if you charge into someone else, you knock them over or you knock them at least to the side a little bit, which was giving yeah. me vibes of Super Mario Strikers, which is the soccer game on GameCube, which I adore yes. for the violence in that game. It actually counts your hits during the matches, which is awesome. And I was actually <laughs> hoping like, how can they incorporate violence into a golf game? And they sort of did it. So I was actually really happy to see that they brought that in, even though I didn't you know, mention it last week, which I'm kicking myself for now. Uh, mini golf is missing though from this game. Absolutely. I would love a mini golf DLC or added content. I'm hoping that that's what they do because like Mario Tennis Aces, which came out a few years ago, you'll remember Mike, it, it felt empty when we first got that game too. 
but yeah. they they still support that game three years later. And if you were to play that game now for the first time, it would feel like a complete tennis experience. And I have a feeling, unfortunately, that's probably what we're going to see with Super Rush. Uh, it, yeah. it feels a little empty now. I think the reviews sitting around a high seven, low eight is more fair. I think anything lower than a seven is unfair to this game. Yes. It, it's way better than a seven. Like the mixed reviews were making me feel uneasy yesterday when I was looking stuff up and I was starting to feel like, do I want it? Do I not? And yeah, you did tech, you did push me over the edge. Like, you know, these, these games are always mixed, you know, they're going to improve it, which you're right. And it's a great game right away. Yeah. Um, my girlfriend was watching me play and uh, she said, Toad's hat looks dumb. <laughs> I know. It's so. Why is it so small? I know it doesn't do anything. It's just sitting on his head like this little hat. It's not. I don't know. It's it's just the. Fun. I didn't Honestly, even notice the, it. The outfits. The outfits alone are like worth buying this game because they put Crushing a lot it. of time and effort into creating everyone's outfit, and I'm so glad that they did because it. Even in Toadstool Tour, I remember being like, oh, I wish there was like actual golf outfits. Golf is like the yeah. one sport where the outfits are so key, mm-hmm. right? They're always yeah. so crazy. So I know. Yeah, and the opening cutscene is really good too. You get to see opening all the characters. Opening cutscene is amazing. It's really good. I had to watch it because like the characters look so good in their golf outfits. They made Mario's ass look great in those pants, which is good. Uh, <laughs> Wario obviously is the the king of Bowser all Jr. the Bowser Jr. has a good outfit too. I don't remember what Bowser Jr. was wearing. He just got like a white outfit. He's got a little visor. Oh, he okay. looks good, you know. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yoshi wearing nothing, interestingly. So <laughs> Yoshi's always <laughs> naked. Yoshi's not allowed to wear anything except shoes. That has to be a brand guideline thing, honestly. Maybe. Because I've never, ever, ever seen Yoshi with anything on. I don't think he even has a golfing glove on. No. He never has any clothing on. He's like Donald Duck or something, like or Daffy Duck, just never wearing anything. Just always going commando and no pants at all. I respect that about Yoshi. I actually don't like playing as Yoshi in Mario Golf. There's something about it. I don't, I don't know. I think it's also because you don't have the outfit. Maybe. That could have been it. You're right. I do play as Yoshi in Kart and Smash. And Mario Party, it's just in golf for some reason. He's not the best golfer. All right, Mike. Well, that's a good uh, first first review on Mario Golf Super Rush. I think you and I are both going to really enjoy it. I'm looking forward to playing it with you in person, hopefully in a few weeks uh, when we go up to the cottage. It's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's time, though, for our, our favorite segment. Mike, what do you think? It's time for the mailbag. mailbag. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to write us a review or comment on the show, you can do so on any of the podcast services that you listen to us on. You can also DM us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We will read your comments on the podcast. Just like Mike, who wrote into us today? Uh, this one is actually from Tanya from the Netherlands, way out in the Netherlands. Amazing to hear from her uh, and her friend, wrote in last week about the stadia uh the and when we were talking about that so this is kind of a follow-up to uh to that so uh, i'll read it for you here neil cool i'm excited for this hi my friend who recently mailed you about stadia got me hooked on your podcast i actually have two gamecubes hooked up to a small crt and a nintendo focused retro secondhand game shop 10 minutes by foot near me which i just gotta say like if that existed 10 minutes away from us neil Mm-hmm. We that, that'd be it. Wait, that's that's our savings. I'd be declaring bankruptcy on a bi-weekly <laughs> basis. Wow, that's in the Netherlands. We need to look that up right now. <laughs> I've been going through all the episodes, even the dreaded first one. And mm. in this episode, uh, you guys talked a bit about how in the GameCube console, you can press the center to have the disc pop up. Pop up. Mm-hmm. It may be my European discs. I'm in the Netherlands, but I can do a similar thing with my discs uh, in the case. In fact, I don't remember ever not being able to do that thought you'd like to know and try it out for yourself and uh, keep up the good and entertaining work 
It's the first console I ever owned as an adult, never had one as a kid, and I play at least once a week. Cheers, Tanya. Well, thank you so much, Tanya. Thank you very much for writing in and for listening to our show. Uh, I don't think our cases don't have anything to press in the middle. You have to pry them out uh, from the side of the disc. Our DVD cases, and I think PS2 cases, actually every PS2 case for the most part, has something in the middle that you can press to pop up the disc. But the GameCube discs, for whatever reason, just grab onto the middle and there's nothing you can press on to really pop them up. Mike, is that correct? I don't think I own any cases that are like that. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, you press on it to kind of like lift it up, right? Like, you know, you're, you use it as an anchor, I guess. <laughs> sure. Yeah, for your index finger. And then your thumb is basically prying it open. And every time you pray to God, you don't snap your copy of Mario Mixed Dance in half today because God forbid that breaks. Yeah, I uh, I, I was really, when, when I read that, I was like, oh my God, that's cool. And again, the fact that you have a Nintendo-esque retro store so mm-hmm. close to you is, is would be so dangerous for us, so we're jealous. Also, respect for keeping two GameCubes hooked up at once. I've never done that. I don't really know what you're doing that for. I guess some of like the local multiplayer games, like I think Kirby's Air Ride was one of those games that you can hook together to play multiple consoles at once, which is neat. So that's really cool. So good on you. I- I'm curious if they're different colors, you know. Mm-hmm. Got to get three hooked up. Get the silver, black, and purple, right, Ooh. side by side. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 56 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. We have new episodes every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet, and we're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 274 games. You can visit thegamecubewascool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. That's me. That's him. Last week, we covered Mario Golf Toadstool Tour. Um, We've actually had a nice couple of weeks, Mike, with uh, episodes. We had Kate Gray on the Animal Crossing episode. We had Back in My Day and Jules coming on last week. So we've had a few good weeks, but I think it's time that we brought it back down to a uh, subpar level. Oh, let's bring it back down because it's been a year since we talked about unplayable games, Neil, and Mm -hmm. we're going to do it again, a part two. Oh yeah, this week Mike and I decided to punish ourselves by going back to some unplayable GameCube games. This one is part two. Uh, Last time we did this, we were actually on episode eight, so we were only two months into podcasting. I haven't listened to that episode in forever. Most of our listeners haven't either. It's not a (laughs) doesn't do the best numbers. Uh, But just to go back, we did cover Spyro, Monsters Inc., Casper, Blood Omen, ESPN Sports. Uh, so if you haven't listened to it, don't worry about it. We will actually be going back to revisit Spyro in a future episode anyway. So if you're worried that that's the only time that we'll talk about the Purple Dragon, not to worry. We will go back. Uh, instead, go back and listen to our Nightfire episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a good game. Very good game. But, uh, Mike, I mean, these games, like, they're not necessarily horrible. They're, oh, I mean, no, they're, no, they are. Oh, well, I mean, I guess so. For me, I think that the there's main a couple issue... that are like unplayable. There, there's a couple of these six that are actually sure. unplayable and there's probably two or three that are passable, but just not fun. Yeah. My thing was that if, if some of these games looking at them, I was thinking like, Oh, 2002, this game came out right around the GameCube launch. Maybe it was a launch game, but no, a lot of the games that we're talking about today were 2004, 2005. Like this is when the Wii was coming out, basically. Like, the, the the developers should have known how to use the GameCube's <laughs> hardware at this point. Some of these games look terrible, the controls are bad, but we've got, what, six games to talk about today, and if they were good, honestly, these games could probably have fit in another episode, like movie tie-ins, or honestly, I think these would have been games that, Mike, you probably would have wanted to have played at some point if they were just 
better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's kind of the only way I can th- uh, the only way I can say it. But Absolutely. anyway, l- let's stop beating around the bush. Let's uh, start with our first game, shall we? Let's start with the first one, Charlie's Angels. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yikes indeed. Charlie's Angels <laughs> was released on July 8th, 2003. So a fairly early GameCube game, I'll give it that. It was developed by Neko Entertainment. It's published by Ubisoft, which... <laughs> that blew my mind. <laughs> it's also on PlayStation 2. Um, it was supposed to come out for Xbox, Game Boy Advance, and Windows, but those three games were canceled. I can't imagine why. The game rated a 3 out of 10. Uh, it would be considered a 3D beat-em-up, and today, if you wanted to pick it up on the GameCube, it would be around $20. So, fun fact, Charlie's Angels has the lowest Metacritic score for any GameCube game, uh, wow. sitting at 23%. So, this <sighs> is Metacritic's uh, version of the worst GameCube game. Wow. And they're probably right. This game mm. is really bad. But first, I just want to talk a little bit about Charlie's Angels, the mm-hmm. franchise. Uh, so, we did recently get a new Charlie's Angels movie, which was... Uh, not good. We did? Uh, yeah, but exactly. That's that's what we're all asking. <laughs> so, what, what, like, not not the... Uh, 2019, I think. Oh, I, I thought you meant like the Lucy Liu, Drew no. Barrymore, and Cameron Diaz reboot. There's been another one? There's been another reboot, and th- there's a lot of controversy around it for a number of reasons, but we won't go into that. We are, I just want to oh. actually talk about original Charlie's Angels. So, it was mm-hmm. a show in the 70s, Ferris Fawcett. That's kind of what launched her career. Sure. And the show itself was, uh, you know, it was very of its time, clearly. It wouldn't work today. But they were very good at making fun of themselves and knowing what they were. Mm -hmm. You know, it was parodying a lot of that, uh, you know, that kung fu action, that uh, crazy spy fights like that James Bond was having. Especially, this was Roger Moore time, right? Mm -hmm. So the the Roger Moore James Bonds were so far out there. Mm -hmm. And Charlie's Angels was somewhat parodying that in the sense of that, you know, just kind of mindless, stupid fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, And... Since then, you know, the new, the the reboot one in 2002 with, um, or 2001, whatever it was, with mm-hmm. Drew Barrymore and Lucy Liu, uh, the, I think that was an okay movie in terms of critically, like it was like a, it, like it a, did, a pass. It did fine. I remember it being somewhat of like a, not a cult classic, but I remember people liking it, like seeing the movie posters up in Blockbuster yeah. for a minute or two. It was the second one that was considered like a, 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 a colossal failure. Yes, and that's when this game came out. That's right. That same year. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was, this is the game that came out alongside the second Charlie's Angels movie, but it does tie the two plots of the movies together. So it's supposed to be like the game for both movies, which I can't think of a game that does that well. Uh, and there's barely a plot in this, for one. There's barely mm. gameplay in this. Uh, <laughs> and uh, honestly, if you want to have a really, really good review for this game, check out Angry Video Game Nerd, uh, who's obviously huge, has been on YouTube forever. And mm. he has a great Charlie's Angels, specifically for the GameCube as well, which is nice. Uh, and he does a great review on that. And uh, yeah, he wants to basically kill himself while he's uh, <laughs> while he's playing it. Yeah, it looked brutal. Like I, Again, this is a game that we will never play. We'll never spend our money on it. We don't recommend any of you out there do. If you have a copy already or you can find it for free, by all means, I'm sure it's a fun drinking game. I was actually getting <laughs> vibes watching just some gameplay of the first few minutes. I was getting BMX XXX vibes. Yes, just because it's very the, much so. Yeah, bikini just, show. Exactly. It's a bikini show. The, the angels are running around in bikinis. And for most of the game, actually, they're running around in scampy clothing. Like so many ass shots. Ass shots are everywhere in this game. I, again, like Ubisoft, I have to go back to this. Like Ubisoft nowadays, <laughs> if you look at, first of all, they have published over the last 30, I think they've been a company for almost 35 years. They have published and developed a lot of games. And in the 
90s to 2000s, I don't think they really knew what they wanted to be yet. It was definitely a growth time for them. They had, they did have Rayman and, and other games, and then they were just publishing a lot of licensed games as well. Yes. Like Charlie's Angels, and that's kind of where they were, but they were also doing games uh, like the Prince of Persia games, which were really good, and eventually spawned Assassin's Creed, and then, you know, we get them with Just Dance, and now Watch Dogs, so they've definitely come into their own in the 2010s, but this was like the era where I'm almost shocked to see that Ubisoft made it out of this of this generation because they were going through some trouble. Like we've we've talked about Ubisoft a few times on this show and never have we really given them a glowing review in the early 2000s. No, they they definitely were a bit lost in the wilderness here. Mm-hmm. And I do want to talk about the plot uh, a bit. There, I thought you, you said know. there wasn't one. Well, there is at the start, and then it kind of goes away. But mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it, it, so the game starts off with kind of a newspaper headline that comes in, and it says, New York is orphan. That's grammatically incorrect. <laughs> yeah, because uh, the Statue of Liberty and other world monuments have been stolen. And mm. uh, angry video game nerd, he is very angry at this headline because it's like, New York, not not New York is an orphan, not New York is orphaned, but New York is orphan. <laughs> Detroit <laughs> also, become human. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, why? Like, it doesn't, it's this, it's the Statue of Liberty, like, their mom? Like, it's, I, yeah. it's... Well, kind it's of, maybe patriotically, I'm not sure. We've been to New York once, I'm not really sure what the relationship <laughs> is with that statue, but that's a little creepy. That almost reminds me of the plot of, like, National Treasure or, like, Scooby-Doo, almost. or like Mario's a, Missing. Mario's Missing, or even, like, a <laughs> Spider-Man comic with Mysterio, like, stealing the Statue of Liberty somehow with an illusion. That's what it feels like. It yeah. feels like that. That's funny. Um, for the actual gameplay, it's it's a 3D beat-em-up, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, the, the camera angles are horrible. I noticed very, that. Very, very disorienting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it changes all the time. You actually don't have any control over the camera, which yeah. is always good in a 3D beat-em-up uh, That's what I love. That's, that's what I love, yeah. I mean, it was kind of like it reminded me of the early Resident Evil games where it yeah, switches. Yeah, but this, this, isn't, this doesn't need to be a Resident Evil game. No, 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 no. no. Like, you need to be, you like, there's things being thrown at you, like bricks and whatever else. Like, you need to be able to dodge. You need to see enemies coming at you. It did not work to have the camera changing randomly. Like, it's so bad. There's that really annoying arrow, really big on the screen also, that, mm. that points you where to go, uh, which is, we hate that for a lot of games. Uh, Sh- Shamu did it in a couple episodes ago. And, Crazy uh, Taxi very, did it well. Crazy Taxi, yeah. They actually did it right, though, because yeah. you know you need to know where you're going to drop someone off. Mm-hmm. This, you're just endlessly battling enemies. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, too, Neil. All the enemies have names. Yes, I did notice that. They were like everyday names too, like Sarah and Lee and Rebecca. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, is anybody connected to any of these characters? Were they? I've never seen the movies. Were they in the movie? Uh, and speaking of from the movie, the characters' faces in the game are oh, so screwed up. Fuel. What's going on there? What happened? I think Cameron Diaz's is like it, it looks like a zigzag on her mouth, and then her her hairline. <laughs> it looks like someone like photoshopped out half of her hair. It's disgusting. It's a reverse widow's peak, basically. It looks <laughs> so bad. It's terrible. I don't know what was going on there. And this was a time when, like, even on N sixty four, like I think of the James Bond games, like they got Pierce yeah. Brosnan's likeness pretty good on N sixty four. Like it's not great, but it, you know who it was. And then they did really good with him on all of the James Bond games on GameCube. Like, all the likenesses of the characters were decent um, mm-hmm. with, with those movie tie-ins. But, my God, it was terrible with these characters. Terrible, terrible. And even got a 1.5 out of 5 on Nintendo Power, Neil, which nice. was a magazine that advertised games. Uh, it, you know, it had no mm-hmm. business actually giving real reviews. But it gave a real <laughs> review for this. And I believe one of the comments here 
was that this game is simply bad from the uncomplicated dated uh, control system to the limited play boundaries surrounded by invisible walls, the mm. poor camera and unsatisfying play mechanics, and the sometimes disturbing graphics. The controls are horrendous, relying on an uncontrollable camera angle that seems to mostly face the wrong way in a 3D game. The end result is that you won't know what you are up against or where you are headed until it's too late. So I don't know if that is actually from Nintendo Power. That's just what came up when I Googled that. So mm. could be just some random person writing it, but it doesn't matter because it's very accurate. Yeah, it, like there's no, but it was unanimous that this game was bad. Even Games Radar ranked it at the time as the 50th worst video game ever made. Yep. And staff members commented that the game was even worse than the movie it was based on. So <laughs> there you go. That's all I have to say about Charlie's Angels, Mike. Shall we read the back of this case and move on? Oh, please do. Okay, sounds good. But first, Victor, hit us with that jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Charlie's Angels. Good morning, Angels. Join Natalie, Dylan, and Alex for the ultimate Charlie's Angels TM experience. Use clever disguises, tactical espionage, and acrobatic martial arts to kick some serious butt and ensure a successful mission, featuring the all-star cast of Cameron Diaz, Lucy Liu, and Drew Barrymore. Yeah, they're actually, their voices are in it. That's too uh, bad. I, whether they just clip them from... Uh, from the movies, or they actually—I I think they probably just clipped them from the movies. To be honest, I don't think they got them to do original lines, but who knows? Let's move on to the next game here, which for me, I actually—I remember seeing this game for the first time in a video game store a few years ago, thinking that this might actually be worth picking up because it sounded really neat. But I'm glad I didn't. That game is Space Raiders, which was released on April 19th, 2004. It's also known as Space Invaders Invasion Day in Europe, if you wanted to pick it up there. It's developed by Taito and also published by Taito. Uh, it's only on GameCube and PlayStation 2. This game would be considered like a third-person shooter. It rates around a 4 out of 10 and priced today at around $45. And this is basically moving Space Invaders from the 1980s up into the 21st century. Sixth-generation hardware, which was a sad first attempt. And last attempt, yeah. I think. It's 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 one of those things where you know everyone's doing the adventure mode, Neil. <laughs> yeah. And so and literally it's it's Tato being like, uh, hey, do you guys want to do like Space Invaders but 3D? Mm. Yeah, it's basically uh... it's basically what it is. Like it takes Space Invaders, the famous 1978 arcade game, into a third person space, but it's still the same mechanics of shooting on a on a grid basically with characters coming at you as the arcade suggests this game actually has terrible seo mike because there's also a band a film and a snack food named space raiders so if you're looking for the game now you might get a few other search results which is funny and so i wanted to actually look up you know why there's the change in in naming right because it's space invaders invasion day which is obviously a horrible name mm -hmm. uh for a game yeah. and then there's uh space raiders which is only north america um right. what happened neil is that the European version got released about eight months before the North American one. Uh, European one got released in 2003. Okay. And uh, because of the horrible reception to this game, Taito didn't want to actually put their name on this game anymore. And so they changed the name. They removed the affiliation of Space Invaders. Ah. Uh, and on the actual box, which I thought was very interesting, is just it's Mastiff is the only thing that's on there. Uh, oh. Not Taito. Uh, Taito, whatever. Even though it was published by both of them, uh, wow. and I believe 
Taito also developed it too, or helped develop yep. it. So mm-hmm. I thought that was crazy and makes sense because this is a terrible game and it's like throwing, they just don't want to be affiliated with this horrible problem child. No. And they never went back to it again. Like it's too bad because like I said, you know, the game opens up with a pretty decent cutscene. Like it's kind of, I like... was going to say the one thing I want to say is the graphics of the cutscenes look really good. Yeah. Yeah. Like they had a good shot at just like the concept of the game is also great. Like it kind of reminded me of Independence Day, which it, I think it's is literally what, Independence Day. I think that's what they were going for with the Invasion Day. Was there is a play on the words of the that movie was huge in the '90s and in Independence mm-hmm. Day. So I think they were just trying to catch cash in on that a little bit. But I mean, like Space Invaders is a pop culture phenomenon on yeah. the same level as like Pac Man from from the '70s and '80s in the arcade scene. Which is uh, funny to think about because if you think back now, like in the mid-2000s, those games were coming up on 20 to 25 years old. And now we're kind of seeing it again where we're seeing GameCube games now are 20 to 25 years old. And they're getting their remakes too. Like we're seeing games like Battle for Mm -hmm. Bikini Bottom coming out. And now we're getting like Advanced Wars on Switch. Like these games are, it's it's, it's scary to think that we're as far away from those games as we were from Space Invaders in the early 2000s, which is... We're getting old, man. We're getting old. Oh, that's, but, that's something crazy to think about. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was thinking about that today when I was coming uh, coming back with my Mario Golf game. Just like the time difference between Space yeah. Invaders and GameCube. And now Switch games and the GameCube is the same. Basically, we're just on the opposite end of it. But in- my, my first game that I ever owned that I probably said a couple times on this podcast was Space Invaders for Game Boy Color, which is a really fun game. Yeah, and you're not alone. Like d- famous video game developers like Shigeru Miyamoto, John Carmack, John Romero, who made Doom and wolfenstein games and then hideo kojima who made uh metal gear solid they've all cited space invaders as their first if not one of their first video games that they ever played so that got them into the medium which is incredible and even in you know in today's era like you see people walking around with t-shirts hats like mugs that have the space invaders alien on them like it's a it's an icon you see it all over the place on bumper stickers it's too. even the emoji for gaming games yeah like if you if you do it's it's that little alien it's the space invader it's incredible like the game made an insane amount of money for in the 70s like by the end of 1978 the year the game came out they had sold over 100,000 machines and the game had grossed over 670 million dollars which is about 2.7 million dollars adjusted for inflation and that's just in japan so wow, like wow that's crazy like it's no wonder that they were trying to revisit it because it just had so much money attached to it like by the end of 1982 the game had grossed over 3.8 billion dollars which again adjusted for inflation is around 10.6 billion USD today so this game was a hit to say the least it was one of the biggest games of that generation so going to the GameCube version now though um Oh, can yeah. I talk about the plot again? I sure. Love, I love the plot. Love Mike, good... hit, us, hit us with that plot, Mike. <laughs> so it is Independence Day. Uh, invaders coming down to Earth. Uh, and we have three stories, though. Uh, and it's three different people. What are their and, names, Mike? Do you know? Uh, Na- Najee is the one guy's name. And then there's a, there's a kid. Mm-hmm. And there's the, the woman, Ashley, I think is her name or something like that. I don't know. She has the largest breasts that i have ever seen in a video <laughs> game bigger than laura croft's so Damn. let's just let's just put that out there okay. her poor back <laughs> and this one also has a terrible newspaper to start it off uh by the world times that comes up uh and is actually also in the inner flap of the game uh for the manual it says the world times thursday december so uh ah. a spelling mistake that was printed out nice uh, no one caught that somehow mm. And it just says invaders came. Okay. Not not invaders are here. Not not space. Not just as invaders came. 
I love that in this world, like in a fictional world where there's a an alien invasion, the newspaper press still find the time to write an article, <laughs> print it, and distribute it while the world is being destroyed by aliens. I think that that's great. That's probably why they made the, mis- the spelling mistake because they were in know, a hurry. They're just they're in a hurry. Their editors that's... were killed on their way to work that day. That's, that must have been what happened. I think we explained our way out of that plot hole. <laughs> And uh, and so I really just uh, when all the videos I watched uh, focused on Ashley's uh, storyline, and hers is got to be some of the worst voice acting and the worst script I've ever I've ever heard in my life. Mm. And the whole time she's looking for Roy, her fiance. Uh, okay. Roy, where are you, my fiance? Mm. I'm looking for you. Where are you? And she's just like calling out all the time and then gets beat up by aliens every <laughs> five seconds. You have to go into your little Space Invaders 3D style mm-hmm. of gameplay, which is just literally you holding down the shoot button and going back and forth mm-hmm. as the aliens come down on a 3D plane. But it's not wow. fun on a 3D plane. Like it's the 2D nope. of Space Invaders that made it fun. And they tried, but I think that they should have. It's hard to say now, but I think that they should have just ditched that mechanic of the top-down look onto 3D and just made it like more of an open-world thing. Like you can roam around and make it a free-roaming 3D shooter, yep. or just don't do this at all. Like I don't know why they even try. <laughs> that would have been see like that would have been cool to actually be like shooting aliens, almost like a almost like a Doom mechanic because or Doom gameplay because a lot of these enemies are straight out you know ripped off from Doom like they look so Doom-esque in, in, in a sense or even something like Star Fox would have been really cool like sure. why don't we have more Star Fox clones out there an on-rail shooter in space with the Space Invaders aliens yeah like Star Fox can't even do Star Fox right anymore there must be a <laughs> team of developers out there that can do Star Fox like games correctly and I don't know why there aren't more of them it makes me so upset this would have been a cool franchise to have given it like a Star, a Star Fox clone. I don't know. Like, I agreed, agreed, and I would have loved that. But instead, we're left with this hot piece of garbage that yeah. is is so horrible to play through because the levels are so so long. Mm-hmm. It takes you know quite a few minutes uh, to just get past like each wave, and there's no indication of how many waves there are, how long you're gonna be fighting. Because you're just holding the shoot button the whole time. There's mm-hmm. there's no gameplay in this like that that actually stimulates you. And the the final boss, because you and I love looking up what the actual final boss is. I was gonna say I'm uh, glad I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. Uh, of course, it's like the entire everything that you just went through, all the different aliens, all the different mini bosses, everything mm-hmm. together, and then the final boss, which is. Uh, uh, well, you might have more on that, Neil. What, uh, what did you find out about the final boss? Not, I didn't find out much about the final boss. I just watched the fight. You basically circle around this giant alien and shoot it until it dies. That's kind of the yep. only thing I could really figure out, which I, I hate if you want to call it a final boss fight. It's a very uninspired alien with tentacles, and you're in this big room. Big eye. Big eye. you got to shoot the big eye, obviously, and you circle around it with your AK-47 that you've had since level one, and then the <laughs> game is over, and that's Space Raiders. Like, it's... I don't know. Well... I was going to say, I wasn't sure if you found this, but there is a, someone, a glitch to beat the boss. Uh, and it's just, you just stay in the same place the entire time, just hold, shoot, and keep dying. Uh, because every time you die, nothing happens. You just click continue and you just continue off where you left off uh, the boss's health. <laughs> wow. And uh, you just keep throwing the grenades that you get because every time you die, your grenades come back. You get another 10 grenades or whatever it is. And so you can just keep throwing those to make it go faster and... It just rinse and repeat. And the, so every time you come back to life, the boss is left with the same health? Like it's that's still right. damaged? Wow. Yeah, unless you actually exit out of the game. So, ah. yeah. So that's uh, that's a good gameplay mechanic that they, uh, you that know, That was an oversight. In. That was an oversight. <laughs> and 
when you play as Ashley, the worst part is when you defeat the the big alien boss who's in the mothership, and then there's the, the final scene is another alien who's like, we will we will take you down, invaders. Because oh yeah, I forgot to mention they think that we're the invaders. Because spoiler alert, we have been sending radio signals and TV signals to them, and they're invading their space. Oh, okay. I like that. That's like a reverse thing there. Okay. No, it's not good. Don't, but, don't, don't, <laughs> like, that's stupid. I'm, I'm joking. But they were, were they, so they're teasing a sequel at the end of this game is what you're saying as well. Like It yes. sounds like they thought that this was going to be the space invaders revitalized into the 21st mm-hmm. century and it was going to become a thing again, which yep. it sounds like a lot of people just going back to your first video game, all they really needed was probably just a space invaders port <laughs> to the GameCube would have Honestly. done better. And then Ashley, after all that sequence, uh, the game ends, and Ashley never found Roy. Oh, she no. never found her fiance. That doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't she? I mean, at least find him dead. Like you know, just give her some closure. Maybe the newspaper There's can no write closure. an article. Did Nothing they forget? Ar- I, I honestly swear <laughs> to God that they forgot. The developers and the story team were not working together. The story team made it and left for vacation for six months, and mm-hmm. the developers were like. Okay, we gotta make this title and have to make probably that's why the levels are so long. They had to fill in for no story. Like they just had yes. to make them longer to justify the price and then <sighs> put it out. I couldn't find anything on sales on this game either. I have no idea how well it did or anything. <laughs> the three voice actors. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it at a video game store once and that was it. It looked interesting. Like the cover looks neat and the cover for the North American, the Space Raiders, looks mm. actually really good, but the yeah. cover for the Space in- Invaders Invasion Day looks horrible. Just like ah. this brown, gross thing that you can't make anything out of. It's bad. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm looking at it right now. Like, it looks cool. Like, it's basically, yeah. like you said, it's Independence Day mixed with, like, Cloverfield now. And, like, I don't know. It would have been neat. That's too much time spent on Space Raiders. I, too I, much. I don't, I don't want to talk about this game anymore. It's making me angry. Sounds good to me. The invaders are here. A young man left alive after invading aliens kill his friends. A camera woman searching for her missing boyfriend. Yep. A policeman <laughs> who wants his partner back. In their quest for loved ones and revenge, these three people face an enemy of unimaginable power. Let's move on to the next game here, Mike, which is another movie tie-in. We have Bad Boys Miami Takedown, or Bad Boys 2 in Europe, because there's no Miami in Europe. It was released <laughs> on September 14th, 2004. It's developed by Blitz Games, published by Empire Interactive. It's also on Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 2, and Xbox. It rates about a 4 out of 10. This game would be an action-adventure shooter game. Uh, You can switch between the third person and the first person. And uh, today is around $15 if you wanted to pick it up. I hate when games do this when they change the name for stuff, especially a movie franchise. Like, yeah. do people in Europe not know what Miami is? Like, it's it's a Miami, it's a city. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Right? I it's... I, th- I think at the time, just putting a, a foreign city into a title is probably not the best idea. It's a bit more common now. Yeah. But unless you're making like a fictional city or something, but like if it's a real city, I just think that at the time, marketers probably thought, how the heck are we supposed to market this game in a different city? Not that they don't know what Miami is, but if they've never been, they probably will be less likely to to buy it because they don't have that touchstone to the city. I mean, you shouldn't be buying this game anyways. Yeah, that's probably a good point. They could have just named it Bad Boys 2 everywhere and have solved that issue entirely. But it's based on the Bad Boys 2 movie, which I've never seen the Bad Boys movies either. I've seen one, uh, and it was a good movie. Martin Lawrence, Will Smith. Uh, it's uh, 
it's yeah. decent. You know, it's it's of okay. of the two thousands for sure. But okay. this game uh, does the most injustice I've ever seen to a, a movie tie-in because at least those movies are decent, unlike the Charlie's Angels full throttle movie. Sure, this is just a, another piece of hot garbage. Uh, <laughs> the 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 whole gameplay mechanics of of cover uh, mm-hmm. shooting, which you seem to use constantly, are horrible. Uh, they just, they didn't really get that one right because every time you go out of the cover, you actually get like, well, not go out. Every time you look to see anyone from cover, you get shot at, Mm -hmm. uh, constantly. I know it's, it's hard to look back on these games now because third, third person cover based shooters were not a huge genre yet. Like we were just starting to get into them in development and like on consoles, uh, like the first one that I can really imagine that was like critically and commercially successful was, uh, Gears of War, which didn't come out mm. until like 2006, I guess, with Xbox 360. So we were still a few years off from when these games were good. And then even third-person shooters in general, for me as a kid, were always hit or miss as well, because we didn't have Resident Evil 4 yet, which after Resident Evil 4 came out, everyone pretty much just copied that formula. So <laughs> it was still in its growth stage of, you know, what do we do? How do we make these games good? And a movie tie-in is probably not the best choice adding that gameplay element to something more like a James Bond or like SOCOM at the time, or even yeah. not Call of Duty because that's a first-person shooter. But you see what I mean? Like something that's more of a franchise as opposed to a one-off. Um, I, I know what you're saying. I mean, like, this one thinks it's a first-person, third-person, and cover shooter all at the same time. So. Trying to be everything, <laughs> and it didn't do anything right. Like the aiming yep. reticle is super sensitive, and it's impossible oh, yeah. to shoot anybody. The graphics are like, again, like they're okay if you're looking at an early GameCube game, but like this is a mid to late gamecube game and like it, it doesn't the graphics don't hold up especially now but like even at the time they, they didn't look good i remember seeing screenshots of this in magazines and i wasn't into bad boys and like all the fast and furious movies i don't know what it was about action films at this time it was very i was very selective about what i was watching sure um, so this one didn't appeal to me either so the video game obviously didn't um, but i think that it was also trying to be something like a smaller grand theft auto as well with just over the top violence and yeah. guns and shooting and and this is what we got and didn't rate well. Uh, I couldn't find anything that reviewed it even remotely well. Uh, there's a website called Game Trailers that ranked it uh, number three on their top 10 worst movie tie-in games. Couldn't find the list because I think that the website probably has been taken down. I'd love to know what two and one were. But we'll <laughs> yeah, never know. I know, right? <laughs> Charlie's Angels, number one. Probably, yeah. <laughs> the fact that like they don't even really have Martin Lawrence and Will Smith's likeness in this game, too, mm-hmm. seems like a huge oversight. Yeah. Uh, for a a especially like movie tie-in games, to you know they're barely even trying on this one, and, and the mm-hmm. plot is is not even the plot at all. It's just mm-hmm. this this game is just a, a complete throwaway. It feels like when they were making it, it feels like a huge budget title. You know. Sure. Well, remember what we talked about in our movie tie-in episode, which we did back in December, where. Uh, folks if you're listening and you haven't heard it already mike and i we talked a bunch about some games on the gamecube like rocky top gun uh, a couple other games in there too that were just every movie from this era had to have a video game with it for some for whatever reason it had to have that movie soundtrack on cd that you could buy your kid and the video game to, to get your kid as well so they wanted to sell the movie the cd and the video game every single movie for the most part and this end, it ended with this generation for sure. There were a few games on Wii, like the Disney movies were getting Wii games. But yeah. for the most part, this was when like, I want I almost said big boy movies, but like, you know, movies <laughs> that were rated 
14a and above had video games to go with them and they were throwaways like they were they yeah. they were made quickly they were made cheaply and this is what we got and they probably sold a decent amount just on the name because bad boys oh, was sure. bad boys was a huge deal at the time i remember everybody singing that song from the bad boys movie so mm-hmm. it was a phenomenon for a while like it was a very popular franchise which i think got a not a reboot but it got a sequel recently as well didn't it with martin lawrence and uh y- yes will smith uh yeah yeah they yeah i guess it was like the like 2019 third... Yeah, the third one in the in the series. So yeah. I don't know. I didn't see it. I don't know how that reviewed, but no. uh, I feel like not great. Probably not, but I don't think either of those guys needed the money, so I'm sure that they're doing <laughs> fine. Last thing I wanted to say about this game before we move on to other horrible games is uh, the fact that in the cover system, the camera is so janky and so infuriating because every time you, you go out of it when you're in a new room and if you enter a new room, you go out and it's like, oh, there's no one there. And then because it gives you a very like specific view, you can't actually pan properly. Mm. And so it turns out people are shooting at you. Where are they? Or I guess I have to move somewhere else and then see them in that way uh, mm. instead of just, you know, doing it from the, the cover. So that okay. is infuriating. Yeah. Like I said before, it was early in the cover-based shooter genre and we weren't there yet. But they do get better, luckily, in games like Gears of War and even Uncharted and like The Last of Us do it really well. Um, you know, going undercover and having a good camera was was rough at a time when even just controlling a camera was still tricky at best. Uh, but let's read the back of the case and then we'll move on to the next game. So we have here Bad Boys Miami Takedown. Mike Lowry and Marcus Burnett of the TNT Tactical Narcotics team are back and oh so bad. Featuring all the fast pace and all out action of the movie, it's your job to ensure that these TNT cops are not DOA. Somewhere in on the street of Miami, something is going down which must be stopped. Dun dun dun. The, the, the thing that must be stopped is the game's production. That's right. We must stop the game's production. Please don't let there be a sequel. And there wasn't. <laughs> Mike, a game that did come out was Trigger Man, which was released on September 28th, 2004. What a month to be alive, Mike. We got uh, Bad Boys Takedown, and then we got Trigger Man. It's all good. This game was developed by Point of View. It's published by Crave Entertainment. It's also on PlayStation 2 and Xbox. This game gets a whopping 3 out of 10. It's a third-person shooter and prices at around $15 today. Uh, looking at the cover, like, or just, you know, the name and everything, like, I, I got vibes. I was just thinking about, like, a Bruce Willis or an Arnold Schwarzenegger yes. action movie, you know, a bad, grizzled guy out to out for revenge, you know, just every time he gets shot, it looks like he doesn't feel it. And that's kind <laughs> of what this game was. But, and it also, looking at the cover again, like, it looked like a comic book cover. And it's weird because this game is not cel-shaded, which I thought it was going to be, just by looking yes. at what it... What it probably could have, it probably would have made it a lot better if this was something more along the lines of like a, a thirteen or a killer seven. Yeah, uh, honestly, the first thoughts I had about this game was that this game probably should have just been like a Game Boy Advance game. Uh, hmm. There's no voice acting. All, right. all the story is just through text. Uh, <laughs> the graphics look like a Game Boy Advance game. Yes, <laughs> uh, and just it, it plays like I, I honestly feel like this was supposed to be an, a handheld game. Mm-hmm. That at the last minute they were like, no, no, we can put it on home consoles, and it, yeah. it's it, it really it feels like it. Uh, just the the gameplay itself, the shooting mechanics mm-hmm. are terrible. Mm-hmm. It takes you so many bullets to kill someone. Like I'm not kidding. Like like twenty or thirty bullets to to, to take someone down mm-hmm. every single time. Yeah, like throwaway shooters were becoming a thing in this generation, and it carried over into the PS3 and Xbox 360, especially. And this was I was watching it, thinking like, again, this is a game from 2004. 
later than Bad Boys and obviously developed at the same time. But again, like looked like a launch GameCube game. And I think if this game Ooh, came out yeah. at the launch of the GameCube, it probably would have done a lot better because it was just like, oh, wow, it's in 3D. You know, it looks better than the N64, barely. But yeah, I know what you're saying. Like everything was, it's stiff, slow, unbalanced. Like it just didn't work. And obviously never heard, of, I never even heard of this game until we started nope. this podcast. I had no idea what it was. Well, I can give you the plot, Neil. Because, sure. you know, I love, yeah. love doing that. Um, you seem to be today. Yeah, go for it. So the main character is, he is the trigger man. He's the guy who you call in to clean up something. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he gets things done. Uh, and he's uh, uh, one of the mob bosses, you know, cleanup guy. He's got uh, no remorse for cold-blooded murder, as uh, as it says uh, in okay. his bio. Okay. But um, yeah, and that's it. You, you, that's literally the, that's the plot. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Uh, there's you know there's a lot of backstabbing between mafia bosses here, but all he's doing is just uh, killing whoever they tell him to kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because uh, he's the trigger man, sure. with that uh, the the gun is a T on the box. I love that, you know. Mm. Uh, uh, not even a gun, uh, uh, an Uzi as as the, the, the T <laughs> to make it really, uh, 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 you know, really edgy. Oh, I see what you mean in the font. Okay, I thought you meant the gun. Yeah, the holding. font. Yes, the T in trigger is the yeah. It's an Uzi, which is great. I don't think that like I don't think hitmen typically use Uzis unless you're in like the mafia or something. But it is a mob <laughs> boss, which I guess that makes some sense. I suppose. Uh, it's yeah this is the definition of a budget title like Mm -hmm. honestly in every sense of the word but just was they didn't have enough money they didn't have enough time and you know the devs probably did the best they could with this what they were given Mm -hmm. a couple of uh numbers here uh nintendo power we said 1.5 for uh charlie's angels i believe well they rated this one a 1.3 and i don't think i've ever seen anything lower than a 1.3 from nintendo power that pretty much means that it's on disc and you push a and something happens that's basically (laughs) what that means (laughs) and and, uh two out of ten from ign on that one uh and i remember a couple weeks ago when kate gray came on who works for nintendo life and they have a a certain scale of what they can do uh, call something and i believe three out of ten was the the lowest that she could go mm-hmm. for a game that you know was still working at least like you could right. still play it mm-hmm. <laughs> so the fact that ign went two out of ten yeah we talk about this all the time i'm surprised that there aren't more two or threes out of ten because those numbers are down there for a reason like i never understand why games can be unbearable and boring to play yet still a seven or an eight doesn't make sense to me i think that they should something for everyone uh no the, there doesn't always have to be something for everyone in these games and uh, this was the generation where gamecube nintendo specifically was trying to appeal to teens and this was one of those teen it's rated t yeah t for teen which trying to appeal to that older audience which it's just stupid like it's not like a good story like i think you can make a mature game or a t game that's violent and over the top over the top violence and still be enjoyable and fun but this game just didn't have it like i have a feeling that if this game did have a bit more of a budget to it and a bit better of a story I think that this one might have been in our m-rated episode mike where you talked about yeah. a bunch of games there that you you really seem to want to play yeah, uh, and because probably the biggest part of that, like you said, the budget definitely hindered them on making the AI actually, mm-hmm. you know, good sure. at all. Like the the AI is terrible, mm-hmm. right? They either just stand there and get shot, or they can automatically snipe you and kill you immediately. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. there is clearly no work put into the AI, and just just the everything, the character models, the the way you walk is so janky. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, making me uh, get these Game Boy Advance vibes because it uh, it really feels like it. 
Yeah, unfortunately, it didn't get a Game Boy Advance port, Mike. But maybe that maybe they were working on it at some point, and they just had to scrap it. The, the the no voice acting thing really threw me for a loop. For whatever reason, I was just thinking like most games and this shooters especially had adopted yeah. voice acting. It was kind of weird going back to one without it. It was very especially strange, especially with an original story and everything. I played Driven on our movie tie-ins episode mm-hmm. uh, uh, back in uh, last year, and. Yep. That game also didn't have any voice acting. It was similar to this. It was a bad game, but it was playable, you know, and, and it was it was a movie tie-in. So there was the story there. There was Sylvester Stallone kind of style character and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and yeah, most of the stuff was just used by text. I think there might have been actually, now that I think about it, there may have been some voice acting, but it was mostly text-based. Mm-hmm. So the, the fact that that game was better than this is, you know saying something it would have been really hard to have given these characters voice actors without just giving it danny devito as the mob boss and arnold schwarzenegger as the terminator being the trigger <laughs> man like that's that's how i picture this game being with voice acting like yeah it's too bad that they didn't just keep these assets for a movie tie-in i think it would have at least sold a few extra copies if they had just tied it to something but sure they didn't and they didn't have any notable actors obviously no voice actors in the game no likeness to anybody that we know so it's just this faceless game that lived and died probably for about a week well, let's look at the back of the case for this one, shall we? Let's do that indeed. Trigger man, nobody threatens our family. Nobody. Don Colodangelo always treated you like a son, taught you the old ways and codes of the family. Do what you gotta do, but protect the innocent and never let the cops get wise. His rise to the top bought an unofficial truce amongst the bickering crime families, but someone has designs on ruining that peace. Someone killed rival Don Matagano. That's a different name now. Don Matagano's <laughs> son. Now he blames Don Colladangelo. <laughs> your mentor calls on your loyalty to thwart an attack on him by the Montagnos. It's now up to you to keep this little conflict from erupting into full-scale street war. Triggerman puts you in the shoes of the underworld's toughest mob enforcer. You'll have to work fast. All you have are your wits, muscle, and brute force. That made no sense. <laughs> yeah, but he's trying to keep the peace while just killing everyone. No, this I no, that did not happen. <laughs> well, it did, Mike. And actually, this is the 278th game we've covered, which means we're officially <gasps> more than halfway through the GameCube's library. Wow, we are. We did it, Mike. I can't believe it. I mean, we still have 277 games to go, but I uh, can't believe it. And the game that uh, marks the halfway point is Trigger Man, <laughs> which doesn't feel fitting. <laughs> this is the lowest point. You know, we, we had to go all the way down to the, the bottom. We had to dip to the bottom of the barrel, and we came back up. But on the way up, Mike, we also discovered Virtua Quest, which was released on January 19th, 2005. This game was developed by AM2 and T-O-S-E, or TOS, I guess. It's published by Sega. It's also on PlayStation 2. This game rates about a 5 out of 10, making it the best game we're covering today. It's an action RPG, and prices today at around $50 to $60, depending on the condition that you're looking at. And this is basically a spinoff of the Virtua Fighter series, which was big on, I guess, the Dreamcast? It was more of like an arcade kind of uh, franchise. Mm -hmm. Um, in the Virtua Fighter series, actually, there's 12 games from 1993 all the way up until 2014, and it's been on a bunch of consoles, including the arcade, Sega Saturn, uh, GameCube, obviously, uh, Game Gear, um, and Game.com, which we've actually talked about on this uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, funny enough, uh, Virtua Fighter is actually kind of where Shenmue was born as well, mm-hmm. uh, and that's kind of where that whole franchise came from. Mm-hmm. And Virtua Quest and Shenmue have a lot in common in different ways. And that's kind of what I want to talk about most about this because this game is maybe one of the most forgettable games I've ever seen in my life. And it, and reading reviews, watching videos about it, it is just, 
extremely forgettable at the time. It was rated okay, like you said, fives, but mm-hmm. it's since gone down in, in retrospective reviews of people kind of almost being angry at this mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a spinoff. It's generic. It kind of gets mixed in, for me at least, just looking at it. I thought, like, just, man, is, is this just, like, another Digimon kind of game where it's in a virtual world, which is great. You know, everyone in the real world lives in this virtual world and that's kind of where they get their lives and their adventures from. So it's basically the plot of like Matrix or Sword Art Online or Ready Player One more recently, like something just mm-hmm. so totally vi- virtual, which was, you know, pretty big in the, in the 2000s. But no, the uh, in the story around this game is somewhat interesting in, in that it was supposed to be a Dreamcast game, actually. So if this game was yep. a little bit better, we might have actually covered it in our Dreamcast episode. Um, in 1996, AM2, the developers began developing a Saturn RPG based on the Virtua Fighter series, and they were going to make a game around Akira, who's like the main hero in the Virtua Fighter games, which actually I was thinking like, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that he's not in Smash, or at least not yet. I have a feeling that maybe years down the road, we may see something related to this in Smash Bros. I could see that. I could too. But the development moved from Saturn to Dreamcast, um, and uh, the Virtua Fighter connection was dropped, and that game eventually became Shenmue. So that that's how Shenmue that's started, right. was this spinoff eventually became that, which was then released in 1999. Uh, and then Virtua Quest was uh, released as a simplified role-playing video game, and you have a bunch of the characters, uh, basically child characters, in the game, and that was released for GameCube and PlayStation 2. So that's in a nutshell, what happened there? Yep. Yeah. And um, Virtual Quest, it, it, it kind of feels like like a mix between uh, those MMO elements of something like Fantasy Star Online, mm-hmm. uh, with just the beat 'em up fighting of a Virtual Fighter game. It, it's kind of a there's a lot of insane quests that you have to do. Uh, mm-hmm. The the you know a lot of focus on various martial arts moves, similar to Shenmue in that sense, mm-hmm. and it definitely feels similar to Shenmue's original concept. There was. You know, I never found anything substantial about this, but there were rumors that the team got pulled off to work on Virtual Quest to finish that game rather than continuing on to create Shenmue 3. Mm. And that's kind of why a lot of people were mad. It's like, oh, we had the chance to actually get Shenmue 3 back in 2004 instead of in 2018 or whatever it ended up coming out. Right. Um, and just like looking up Shenmue is really interesting too, because that's that's another one of those games where and series is where it has a huge cult following. It's very well known amongst the video game fans, mm-hmm. but it has horrible sales. I know. It's a, it's a cult classic. Like It's like a lot of the games that we talk about on GameCube that have yeah. a million or less sales, yet we talk about it like it's it's the Call of Duty. Like Metroid. Of like Metroid, yeah. Like, just like Metroid or even Mario Golf. Like games that have never cracked three million sold are yeah. games that we talk about such high praise. So that's what's great about this that's what's great about video games is just that there's so many that come out that it's impossible for all of them to be 10 million plus sales. It doesn't mean that they're bad or anything. It just means that if they don't sell at the end of the day, video games are a business and they don't get sequels, which is too bad. But I mean, we did finally get Shenmue 3. Eventually it was kickstarted, but I, I don't see anybody asking for a Virtua Quest sequel in 2021. No, definitely not. No. It's weird that this game is based on a fighting series, yet the only two buttons that you need to use, I think it's A and B, and it's you have a heavy <laughs> attack and a light attack, and that's all you do. So it's more of like a beat-em-up button masher. This game isn't like unplayably terrible. No. I, I think that of the games that we're talking about today, this game is like the most, I can understand it. It just isn't anything like that that's kind of the best way i I could come up like i was trying to come up with a way to describe this game and it's just it just is like it doesn't have anything that makes it stand out from other games that you could be playing on gamecube or playstation 2 at the time 
IGN said it best uh, in the fact that the action is mediocre uh, and the platform elements feel sloppy and unrefined. The graphics and sound are equally forgettable. Mm. Um, it, it has stiff controls, an antiquated camera with no look button either. So, yeah, just the generic, forgettable, and why does this, you know, it, it just there's so many better games in this genre uh, yeah. nowadays. So there's just no reason to play it or, or pick it up. Yeah, Mike, I'm starting to lose some steam here. Let's uh, let's let's, <laughs> let's read the back of the case here. We got one more game to go. I, unless you have anything else you'd like to say about Virtua Fighter? Nope. Virtua Quest. All right. Winning the fight will take more than heart. It will take souls. Collect data chips and then trade them in to power your character. Traditional RPG elements, including cinematic sequences, health points, and experience levels. More than 45 special martial arts abilities acquired from Virtua Souls empowers players with complex fighting moves. A special energy wire pulls players and enemies from point to point, chaining deadly attack moves together. Moving on to the last game of the day, which is also another movie tie-in, is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which was released on July 13th, 2005. This game was developed by High Voltage Software. It's published by Global Star Software. It's also on, here we go, PlayStation 2, Xbox, Game Boy Advance, and Windows. This game got a 3 out of 10. It's a 3D puzzle platformer and prices at around $15 today. It's based on the Tim Burton and Johnny Depp reboot of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which came out the same year. Yeah, and the movie itself is... It's it's not it's not like a horrible movie, but it's not a good movie at all, especially when you're taking from an absolute classic sure. like the original, the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I, mm. I would love to see Gene Wilder's uh, likeness in a in a game, but unfortunately, we don't even really have Johnny Depp's likeness. We have some random ass looking uh, Willy Wonka who is not voiced by Johnny Depp, mm-hmm. and uh, all the characters. Honestly, their 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 characterizations in here are nightmare nightmare fuel. Like, did you oh, yeah. see what Charlie looks like? Why is his head and <laughs> feet so big? He's like, I know he's got the Daffy Duck feet, and he's got a massive like Jimmy Neutron looking head. I was actually gonna say the characters in the in the game. You're right, Johnny Depp is not in this one. It is a character that looks something like him, but mm-hmm. he was actually voiced by uh, a man by the name of James Arnold Taylor. Who, if you listen to this show, you may know uh, his work. He voices Obi Wan Kenobi in the Clone Wars. He also oh. voices he also voices Ratchet in the Ratchet and Clank movie, and he'll actually be voicing a character in the upcoming Space Jam movie. I don't want to say who the character is because when I read it, it was a little bit of a spoiler for me. But he actually is mm-hmm. a very well known voice actor who has a really big IMDb list of various work, mostly in cartoons, but still like a good actor that they got on for for the game. But yeah, the art style of this is really terrifying and it actually got me thinking at first i thought it reminded me of the um uh, the lemony snicket game a series of unfortunate events kind of that really grim dark story and actually at moments i was kind of thinking how cool would it have been if this game came out and since they weren't using the character's likeness from the movie they could make it this willy wonka t-rated game almost like alice madness returns where it is like just this terrifying nightmare game i thought that would have been really cool if they just leaned into that Huge missed opportunity for that, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is just, you know, for one, it's a generic movie tie-in game. Yeah. Uh, but that's not the worst part about it. The worst part about it is is the characterizations, that the artwork just looks awful, and the the puzzles. The puzzles yeah. are so uninspired and terrible mm-hmm. that uh and a lot of them you know it's a lot of them have to do with trying to get like save the kids basically you gotta the sure. first one is saving augustus gloop and that's basically two hours of the game mm-hmm. right there <laughs> <laughs> uh and and the puzzle that i i watched the most 
was for whatever reason there's these robots and they spit out this jelly or something and you have to put the jelly into this green bar a uh, green ball and okay. you have to roll this ball into these chutes to stop the compression i guess so that i guess this gloop will go out of the the, the tube mm-hmm. uh, so you can save him and doing that is the most time-consuming, horrible thing I've ever seen. When you roll the ball to try and get it into the tube, mm-hmm. it doesn't just automatically go in. You have to get it perfect, mm. or else the ball just stays there, and then you're screwed, and you have to do it over again. Oh, jeez, that sucks. Yeah, so puzzles are really bad in this. Y- yeah, I-, I could tell by that. Like, I wanted to call it a 3D platformer, but I couldn't because there were those puzzle elements in the game, and, and that's what we talked about. Another game that this reminded me of is the Polar Express game that we talked about back at Christmas time. Like, similar game yeah. to that, where it's a very short experience. It's clearly just for a kid under the age of, I would say, like, nine years old who just needs to get their start into video games. I feel bad but for that. But you could actually play Polar Express. You could. That game was quite a bit better, <laughs> I think. No, definitely. But... Uh, I was also going to say that the there's also RTS elements in this game too, real-time yeah. strategy, which I was like, this is actually an RTS game, which is <laughs> awesome. You have the D-pad where you use it to control, you command the Oompa Loompas to, to do things for you, like to to assist or to carry or, or whatever it is, um, which was an added part to the game that I was not expecting going into it. I was not expecting like a tactical element to the game, which is hilarious. It didn't look like it made the game any more fun. Um, but it, it was weird to see like the Oompa Loompas running around almost like Pikmin, uh, doing things for the, yes. what's the kid's name in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Charlie? Charlie. Oh, that makes sense. Wow. <laughs> How did I forget that? <laughs> I literally forgot that for a second. Oh man. <laughs> that's really funny. You gotta keep that in. Oh, that's staying in there. Oh, my bad. Yeah. The Oompa Loompas helping Charlie, like Olimar and the Pikmin, uh, was really funny, but yeah. I... Why are the Oompa Loompas so small? I don't know. They're, they're they're, like, that's they're why I was getting pick, that's why I was getting Pikmin vibes was because it was like they are they're not supposed to be that small. They're like waist no. high, I think, in the movie. I haven't seen the original in a while, and I haven't. I saw the Johnny Depp one when it came out, and it was it's a fine movie. My sister loved it. I don't know why, but it's a solid five out of ten. Yep, it's a solid good movie, and this game is a solid two out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the game did not do it any justice, but. The one thing about the game that uh, was interesting to me was the music. I actually didn't mind the music in the game. uh, And I just did a little bit of research on who developed it. And the music was created by Winfred Phillips, who has been credited for work on games such as God of War, Assassin's Creed, and Little Big Planet. So a lot of PlayStation or Sony games and has actually been nominated and won multiple awards, including Global Music Awards, uh, Game Audio Network Guild Awards, as well as the composer for the music, which was Winnie Waldron, um, who has also worked closely with Winf- Winfred uh, on the same games, God of War, Little Big Planet, and has also won multiple awards as well, like the Global Music Awards in as late as 2021, uh, Game Audio Network Guild Award in 2005, uh, not for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, <laughs> but like these award-winning composers for the music for the game, and it did show, like the, the music is actually pretty decent. It sounds yes, it is. like the music from the movie, which was good, but... After that, it quickly fell off a cliff. It's funny that like this is a rare game in that sense where the music is really well done, original. Uh, the voice acting is quite good as well. Uh, like you said, you know they had real voice actors doing this, uh, and uh, you know it's. But then you just have this horrific game playing and and mm-hmm. art style that I, I I don't know what went wrong because clearly there was money here, yep. right? It's a movie tie-in. It's from a big studio. There's a lot of money going into this. It's like, you know, 2K Games was the, the one who did this because that is Global Star Software. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, it should have been a way, way better game than than 
this atrocity mm-hmm. of of gameplay. You know, it just I don't even know. It feels like someone dropped the ball really badly here. Uh, IGN to go back to them. They reviewed this game and uh, they gave it a four out of five, uh, four out of ten. Hmm. So you know, not as bad as some of the other ones. Right. But uh, they called the music from the game a really good soundtrack and said that the music sounds moody and atmospheric where it should. Mm-hmm. Uh, same goes for the oddball tunes within the factory. That's why I think that the game would have been really neat as being more of like a horror title because the the sound the, the music was like reminding me of Alice Madness Returns, which is a really fun game to play. Yeah. So if they just made this game like creepy and disassociate it with the movie and just time it with the movie it would have been really cool especially 2k like they made bioshock so like imagine if like a bioshock like game came out with willy wonka as like the theme that'd be so (sighs) cool dude i would have loved that but we didn't get that unfortunately we got this game that if you go to any retro video game store i guarantee you'll find it on one of the platforms (laughs) that it's on it's at every store that i've ever been i saw saw it last week it was there There (laughs) i almost picked it up but it was like no 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 i can't (laughs) save your money on all of these games today i think is probably the bottom line we'll get to that in a second though first mike i think i should read the back of the case what do you think let's do it okay oh it's another long one okay To the lucky finder of this golden ticket, greetings from Mr. Willy Wonka. I invite you to my chocolate factory, where I will take you on a wondrous tour and even share a few delicious secrets. At our journey's end, one of you will receive a special prize beyond your wildest imagination. I wonder what it could be. Experience a factory full of nutty inventions, wimple scrumptious candy, Oompa Loompas imported directly from... Land, and some horribly rotten children discover surprises around every corner. The factory is open and yours to explore. But remember, there's no knowing where you'll be going. Nice. Uh, I see that, that reference there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to figure out what cover of one of these games to put as the cover for our episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a thumbnail. And I wanted to kind of convey, you know, what the best uh, horrific <laughs> looking thing would be and just check out Charlie and the Chocolate Factory the cover because that is some that is some scary s- scary stuff it is uh, why is the Oompa Loompa in the, the bottom right corner looking at me <laughs> I don't know this is this is why it should have been a scarier game and would have been a lot cooler if it was I stand by that I stand by that too Neil but usually at the end of the episode we recommend one of the games that our listeners should pick up or look for uh, but neil i want to flip it on uh, a bit here and i want to ask which one of these games should someone absolutely not pick up mm. of these six games which is the by far you think the worst of the worst okay the worst of the worst here i think it has to be charlie's angels like that game is <laughs> like nothing about that game looks redeemable i don't know if it's even supposed to be fun it's just god awful to look at uh like it's a, from a, a movie again that I don't really like. So from my personal opinion, I just think Charlie's Angels looks like the worst of. We covered six games today. I, I, it's between that one and probably like Bad Boys Two. I don't know. Like bet- yeah. between those two games, I think. But for me, it's it's got to be Charlie's Angels. Like in yeah, I I don't even have anything else to say there. I'm just gonna <laughs> end it with Charlie's Angels, Mike. What game would you say? I would say Space Raiders just because of the time I would have to put into this game, <laughs> you know, honestly. And it just would make me so angry playing it. I can. It's one of those games where you you watch it and you can immediately, you know, understand the gameplay. Mm. And uh, again, I didn't actually go out and pick this up because I didn't want to claw my eyes out. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I watched in a lot of reviews and a lot of great gameplay, uh, or a lot of great reviews that the people did uh, because they're really funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just the, the game itself, I can just feel myself playing it and feeling myself getting angry at playing it because it's so mm-hmm. frustrating especially when you have such a great storied franchise like Space Invaders and you come out with this. I know. I think that would have been the most... That's probably a good point, actually, is that just what it's based on is just so 
terrible that this is what had to become of it. Like, at least with Pac-Man, which we've talked about already, did come out of the same era, and it did it well. Like, it did translate well into 3D. Space Space Invaders was not one of those licenses, which is too bad. Um, We didn't see too many of the arcades come into this generation, Pac-Man being the main one, but just stuff like that. There's no Pong uh, remaster or remake. We just have have Mario. I want Pong adventure mode. (laughs) (laughs) What do the paddles do after the screen goes off? (laughs) But yeah, I think so. Sounds like from today, the games not to pick up are Charlie's Angels and Space Raiders, which is funny. And and usually we also talk about where we see these games going forward, but I don't really think there's anything to say (laughs) to any of these. There's no future. There's no future. All these franchises are dead. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're never seeing any of these games again. Mike, let's just skip right to the third part of our closing segment. Why don't you let the listeners know what they can absolutely expect on next week's episode of the GameCube is Cool podcast. They can absolutely expect the Soul Calibur episode, and we are not just talking about Soul Calibur for episode 57, but we're going to talk about a couple of other really good, or not uh, decent fighting games mm-hmm. uh, on the GameCube. That's Bloody Roar, Custom Robo, and Rave Master, and those are all going to be tied in to the Soul Calibur episode, and uh, we're going to have a bunch of guests on to talk about them, and I'm excited. Yeah, Soul Calibur 2, Link, we, we mm-hmm. can talk about that, obviously. Yeah. Uh, uh, I... For years and years, I always thought Soul Calibur 2 was a GameCube exclusive, and that's just how I lived my life, Neil. I know. It's funny to look back now and you see the Soul Calibur games on other consoles and some of the characters that were exclusive to other platforms, so I'm really excited to talk about that. There aren't a lot of fighters on the GameCube. Like, we have wrestling games, plenty, uh, but games like Street Fighter, they just weren't on GameCube, and I I just feel like that it was missed out for for whatever reason in this generation, and Soul Calibur definitely took the place of the preferred... uh, arcade experience on the GameCube for a fighter. So I'm really excited to talk about it. I did get to play it a little bit back in the day. I didn't own it, but I did play it at friends' houses. So it's going to be fun to have a few guests on to talk about their memories. And yeah, going to be a good time. Mm -hmm. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 56 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episodes every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us ratings and reviews so we can make the show better. If you want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon. We are at the GameCube is Cool. Supporters at the $5 or above level get their names read in the credits and the option to submit an opening topic for the show. You can also support us for free by going to any of the social media websites that we're on. We are at the GameCube pod on instagram facebook and twitter and then you can share us with your friends and family tell willy wonka neil says hi thank you so much for the support and we will see you next week take care i can't believe i forgot the kid's name was charlie over 600 games you've never heard of the product of what happens when you think inside the box GameCube.